Coastal Cookery is a proud sponsor of Powell River Community Radio, CJMP 90.1 FM. Eat, drink, gather. Join the Coastal Cookery crew for a happy and happy hour, Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 p.m., downtown Powell River on Marine Avenue. Did you know that Powell Hey guys, this is Cam Twyford from Little Farmer. You are listening to CJMP. FM. Powell Rivers Community Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And it is uh, just after 12 o'clock, January the 27th, and this is the CJMP News Hour. And. We're going to play a little bit of music for you. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after this. <clears throat> honey comes from a honey bee. Syrup comes from a maple tree. Sugar comes from gangsters. Gangsters! <laughs> If I was a gangster, I would be the kind that's ever so, oh, so sweet. I'd kill everyone tastefully, secretly and sweetly. I'd have a hundred different names. I'd snort lines of aspartame. I'd hang out with the rich and famous, and I'd hang out with you. About nine mils, that's enough to get the children hot, baby, hot, baby, for blood and sleep, baby. You're hooked up, but it ain't your fault. I put sugar in table salt, I put sugar in all the holidays. Yep, that's right, I've got. It's a chocolate-covered ritual I pushed aside the pagans With a pocket full of treats Trick-a-trick-a-trick-a-trick-a-trick-a-treat You might not recognize me When I come knocking on your country It's cause I'm from the first world And you're from the third world Girls and boys gather round Come meet the new farmer in town I say what grows and what gets chopped No, I won't. I'm gonna throw you in the mud. It's filled with blood and Coca-Cola and this dead and probably soldiers. This land is my land and I am the We're back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to play a little farmer uh, today. 
uh, we're back to CJMP News. I'm Carrie Swiggum with Roger, as you mentioned. Um, I just, can I, before you... Yes, you can. Talk, Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I came in this morning and there was a CD from Little Farmer stuck in the mailbox, so um, I wanted to play something off the album, although um, I couldn't get the album to play, so I found this off Bandcamp, the song we just heard. It was called Sugar. Sugar. Um, the album, I believe, was released last week, if I trust this Bandcamp date. Um and uh, it's called Localist Fuel Source is the name of the album. There you have it. Moving on. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. What's up with the news today? What are we starting with? Uh, let's start with um, just a few bit of uh, events coming up. Okay. Because uh, I heard about this last night. I thought it was pretty cool and I wanted to mention it. Um, there's an LGBTQ community town hall coming up um, during the Expose Yourself event, which is between March, um, mid-March. This is March 16th. And uh, CJMP is a sponsor of Expose Yourself. Uh, we'll be there with the photo booth. Um, but this community town hall um, is having a speaker come in. His name is Robert Beringer, And he has done a master's on um, aging in place. And uh, his thesis was on LGBTQ communities living in rural or isolated areas and being able to age in place. So what does BGS M.A. I know what master stands for. What does B.G.S. stand for? Do you know? I think um, actually B.G.S. is Bachelor's of Gerontologi- Gerontological Studies. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good we know that. So. <laughs> um, so that's neat. And you'll hear more about that coming up soon. Um, I also want to announce that next week we're going to be hosting a... Roger. A telephone call. <laughs> we're going to be hosting a listening party to all the featured documentaries we were able to, p- to produce. Um and uh, so that will be held my, likely at the bowling alley downstairs from where we are located right now uh, next Saturday. Yeah. It should be a fun event. Yes, it'll be confirmed during the week anyway, for sure. So. Yep, yep. And yeah. uh, hopefully we'll have some DJs there. Roger, I was going to ask you. I don't, okay. <laughs> you don't need to tell me yes or no now. <laughs> um, this is also the second to last show for CJMP News. And for now, anyway. For now. Uh, for yeah. me, yes. Yeah, for, for yeah. Um, we want to keep it going. Um, um, I'm going to have to bow out after next week, and I'll be here with Peter Harvey. And I just want to thank everybody for letting me do this show. And I was, it was fun. I hope people appreciated it. Yes, yeah, uh, so we don't we don't have any firm plans as yet, but uh, we hope to continue this on in some form or another. Yeah, there's a lot of work done to um, make it easy for someone else to come in, take it over. So yeah. make it your own. Um, and before we end uh, for the the news show in its current state, um, CJMP News will be hosting. Well, CJMP will be hosting Groundwire, which is the national campus community radio news network. Um, so listen in next Thursday, February second at two p.m. to hear local news, as well as familiar voices reading the headlines. Okay. So, so that's exciting. <laughs> what else happened this week? Um, well, of course, we had a uh, visit from the Premier to town. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, actually. I've been sort of had my heads down with all my own projects, so uh, I haven't been paying much attention <laughs> other than what's been going on the other side of the border and its influence oh on Canada. So much. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. So There's a lot of stuff going on yeah. uh, in the world, that's for sure. Um, this past week was dominated by Christy Clark's visit to Paul River locally, I think. Um, people were talking about it. Um, so the Chamber of Commerce hosted Clark's visit at Snickers Pizza on Tuesday afternoon, January 24th, and we were there to cover this event. Uh, the Chamber Manager, Kim Miller, said the event was over capacity, 150 tickets had been sold, 
there was a crowd outside the restaurant as well. About 40 people showed up to protest the premier's policies and maybe yeah, her decisions she's made in the last few years um, ahead of the next provincial election. So here's an overview of the afternoon, starting with the protesters outside. I'm Bill Smith, and she said when she was a radio host that uh, the BC Ferry should be in the Department of Highways. When she gets in, she does nothing about it. Shame on you. That's one thing. The other thing is child poverty in Powell River, child poverty in BC, shame on you. The other thing, pushing corporate things like LNG that nobody needs or wants, shame on you. Site C, firm land for hydro that we don't need, shame on you. Think about it. Are you a leader for the people or are you a leader for corporations? Shame on you, period. Can you tell me what your sign says? It says, our marine highway, which it is. Not free free ferries up in the interior. It's our highway that we have to pay for dearly. After we put thousands, millions of dollars of taxes into this province as this country grew. Hey, hi, Gary. Hi, can you tell me about it? Yeah, well, our uh, thing is the question of how much money Christy Clark's taken off from the oil industry. We know from her last election that she went to Calgary and sucked up enough money to win that like elections dishonestly so this is the this is our protest against her st taking government taking money for herself and her government thank you i'm holly brack and my dad's been locked out of work by lafarge for 14 weeks and counting and during that time we've had to dip into my college fund to just pay our mortgage and um, provide food you know and um, it just feels kind of hopeless like it's never going to end and i don't know if I still have the money to go. And I'm graduating this year. So. What do you want to say to a premier while she's in Paul River? Um, I just want to say that I just want it to end. And um, I really just hope it does. And I hope that we can bring more awareness to it because a lot of people just don't know. You know? Okay, so what's going on right now is that uh, this is a performance titled uh, The Kinder Morgan Surprise, uh, reading from a handout given to me at the event. Um, there was a summary of what was going on if you, if, um, you weren't involved in the event and wanted to know. Um, there's a video of this as well on YouTube called Oil Spill in Paul River if you want to see visuals of what was going on. Uh, BC, a BC Ferry cardboard cutout was making its way into the scene um, with cardboard cutouts of different animals clustering around the ship. Uh, then an oil tanker makes its way onto the scene. Oh, 
It's a pretty dramatic event. Yes, I well, I saw a little bit on. Uh, I, I watched the little YouTube clip. I wasn't actually there in person oh. that day. So, well, um, so that was outside. Um, the protesters moved to the back of the restaurant once they heard that she was coming in the back way because um, they had uh, let the doorway of the restaurant be kind of littered with things that people had to step over. Um, so they took all that to the back, and um, I think we're unsuccessful in getting her to respond to any questions or anything like that. But. Um, there were ans questions answered inside the event, um, posed by community members, and uh, I'm going to take you inside. And first up here is Clint Williams, Hey Goose, uh, for the Thlamin Nation. So, was asked to give some opening comments for the Chamber of Commerce uh, event. Uh, we've got a pretty big name speaker in the community here, which is uh, which is an honor, and we welcome you to the Thlamin traditional territory. Um, you know, I, I look out, I look out the windows, and I acknowledge the passion of uh, these people that are on the streets right now. Our passion is the same way for our traditional territory and, um, and the resources within it. So, you know, um, instead of just looking at them as a hindrance, I look at them as uh, passionate people looking to help develop this community as well. And uh, we've gone through this ourselves. We've, we've had blockades <laughs> and uh, we've dealt with this in the same way, but we also, had to keep reminding ourselves that these are human beings as well. And I acknowledge and respect their opinion. And that's the beautiful thing about democracy is everybody has their say. And there's a quote that says, uh, the beautiful thing about democracy is everybody has their say. And the lousy thing about democracy is everybody has their say. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, uh, I just look, I look forward to hearing our premier speak and uh, welcome to the Thlaman traditional territory. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chief, for that um, those comments to open it up, and thank you for the the uh, welcome, the warm welcome to Tlamin territory. One of the things that um, you all know, and that people around British Columbia um, know, uh, is that First Nations communities, particularly in the course that um, the Chief Clint has has set for the community, his community here means that First Nations are increasingly grabbing control of their own future. In a, in a world, in a, in a country, where First Nations have been um, really, uh, you know, lived in a, in, a, in a paternalistic environment and in the post-colonial world, where governments in Ottawa and Victoria have dictated the vi their vision of First Nations futures um, we haven't, First Nations haven't really had the kind of chance to succeed that they deserve the way that non-First Nations communities experience every day. Okay, so that's um, Premier Clark, of course. Um, and she went on to tell a few anecdotes about her upbringing um, and compared that to Liberal candidate for MLA, Paul River Sunshine Coast, Matthew Wilson. Um, <coughs> I would say about a third of the this talk she gave was dedicated to stumping for her candidate. Uh, here locally. So that's actually primarily why she was in town, was just stumping for the Liberal candidate in, Power, in the Powell River area. That seemed to be the case, yeah. yes. Um, she spoke for about 20 minutes and then answered questions from the audience. Um, and those were written on paper that Jack Barr, uh, president of the chamber, um, selected from a jar. And I got a question in too, uh, privately. So um, stay tuned. There's a few questions. Um, 
And if you hear uh, comments that are made that you feel need better fact-checking or commentary, please do call or write us. Um, I did and not let have us know. Let yeah. us know. Yeah, yeah. maybe it would be nice to play those comments uh, next week. Yeah, or also you can call in while we're on the air at 604-485-0088 and uh, we'll see if we can help you out on that too. That would be great, actually, yeah. Not while we're talking, that is. But <laughs> so here's, here's the questions as they were presented to the premiere. Well, uh, from Kelly Gallagher, Site C down, um, no proper consultation with First Nations, sevenfold oil tanker increase, LNG, that's a methane bomb. You clearly are consulting only the corporations. What's left for my children's future? Why don't you represent the common person? Well, Jack, I can tell you didn't write that question. <laughs> um, so can I, there's a lot in there. Can I just, I, I'm going to talk to a few of them. Um, because the, first, the one that probably that's most important that I think was a running theme was First Nations consultation. Um, so when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to First Nations consultation on LNG, we have uh, uh, benefit agreements with almost all the First Nations along the line. For example, with the high slot, who are um, at the, we're going to be one of the terminals are, they are, they've already paid out three per capita dividends to the tune of about $6,000 a piece to every single person in their community. And where did those people spend that money? They spent it in Kitimat and Terrace, maybe putting a new roof on their house, getting their car fixed, maybe getting a new fridge. That's money that has, has radiated throughout the community for the benefit of the First Nation there. These, um, we spent $12 million supporting um, the Shimshan First Nation in making sure that their community members are ready to take on those jobs as apprentices and journeymen and tradesmen in those projects. Um, so, you know, I see LNG in an opposite way. Uh, first of all, it's going to help us fight climate change around the world by exporting it to China and displacing coal. But more, most importantly, I think from my perspective is, a generational opportunity for rural and remote First Nations communities to be a part of a huge economic opportunity for the first time in, for some of them, in a hundred years. It means we are seeing communities going from probably 80 or 90% unemployment to huge numbers of people being employed. From being 80% unemployed to being 80% employed. And to me, that's a generational opportunity that we can't turn down. Site C, I am very, very proud of the $8 billion we are investing in what may be the last large-scale dam in Canada. It's going to be clean, green, low-cost energy for our kids, just like WAC Bennett envisaged for us. We have the third lowest residential rates for power in North America because of his vision. We need to make sure that we carry on that vision for our kids. We, um, today we have been, uh, you, you know, I guess I, the last thing I would say about that is in terms of consultation, there have been six lawsuits that have found their way to the court challenging Site C. All of them have lost because the consultation was thorough. It was hard work. Um, many first, some of the First Nations in, in, uh, in the region are strong supporters and benefiting from the project, but more importantly, equally importantly, every British Columbian is going to benefit from, from Site C as we get that completed and make sure that another generation can have clean power just like we did. Well, that's, that's a wide open discussion. This is a commentary on my part. Well, uh, 
not only the consequences of actually going out there and extracting natural gas, uh, natural gas prices have reached uh, rock bottom in the most recent period. And uh, with the increased uh, extraction of natural gas worldwide, uh, they're not likely to rise up that much to support uh, these LNG projects. My opinion, that is. Okay, your opinion. Thank you. Um, I, I... Yes, I wish we, I had more time to fact check a lot yes. of these statements because yep. there's a few more too. Um, that's why I'm hoping that the community can, can get involved too and help us. Um, and uh, with other, any other statements you hear actually on the show ever. So um, next up is a question from Jay Yule. Excellent, thank you very much. Question two uh, from Dr. Jay Yule uh, with uh, recognizing the board vice chair at Ken Oliver Teachers Association president. The city's embraced international education as an economic driver and has been working with us and via us to increase international students, which supports innovation and program choices for local students. You may know we were just turned down in our efforts to support an international school on ALC land adjacent to the high school. The application was strongly supported by the city and many other stakeholders with little to no opposition. My question to you is, have you considered changes to the ALC to be more responsive to local needs, as we know many other projects have, have been approved, and there doesn't seem to be any justification? Well, um, I mean, I know it's frustrating from a local perspective. Uh, the, the ALC operates without interference from politicians, though, and I think, you know, while politicians may have different views about what the ALC ultimately decides, we do not interfere. And that independence for the ALC is really vitally important. Now, we have made some recent changes to the ALC. Controversial in the legislature, the, um, you know, our, the idea has been that we want to make sure that um, regions of the province where pressure for development is very strong um, and is really threatens the integrity of our agricultural land, that we remain, um, we, we really keep the system strong so that we can always resist that pressure. But in what we create, what we call zone two in, in much of the rest of the province, the rules have been changed um, so it's a little bit different. We're working through those changes to see how they work um, and it seems to be working well, um, but I can say changes to the ALC do not happen lightly. They deserve a lot of debate and a lot of consultation because our agricultural land is really important to British Columbia. Okay, so that's the end of that. Roger, <laughs> do you want to comment on that? Uh, my commentary is, well, starting off with, is, you know, we do not interfere with the AOC, and of course, then they change the legislation to match that. So, so you're saying she, she says that on one hand, they, yeah. they don't have inter interference, and then... Yes, and then they, politically, they interfere and change it, so... Okay, well... Well, listeners. not to say stuff shouldn't be corrected or altered or yep. whatever. Well, listeners can um, yes. determine their own yes, interpretation can. of that. Okay, here's uh, another question. One more, and then uh, I, get, I get to ask a question. So, Jack. Okay, you got more. Jack's got more. He said he had two. So, uh, uh, from Joseph McLean, one of your conditions for pipeline appro approval was meaningful involvement of First Nations, but the UN Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples requires that that more than consultation and cash money, it requires working together as equals and reaching consent. The federal government is committed to adopting these rights. How can you proceed with large infrastructure projects when you do not have the consent of First Nations in your government? Well, we do. I mean, we work hard to get consent of First Nations. Um, when it comes to the Kinder Morgan pipeline, which I think 
is what he's talking about. About 41 or 45 of the 80 or so First Nations have signed agreements. Um, and I think the federal government based their approval of Kinder Morgan Pipeline on the fact that the company had made um, significant efforts. I don't think all First Nations along the line have agreed, have agreed and some may not. I think, um, but it's really important that we work hard to find those agreements with First Nations around the province, which we've worked hard to do. When it comes to LNG, I think it's a model for it because um, we've got the, the huge majority of First Nations are benefiting in terms of jobs and, um, and uh, benefits agreements, so revenue to, to them. And that's been hard won support. We've been working on it for five years, First Nation by First Nation. And um, you know, each one is unique has its own unique vision of the future, and that means we need to talk respectfully and patiently, as we have over the last five years. That's a really important part of making sure that these projects go ahead, and it's something we don't, you know, there is a, there's a, a duty to consult and accommodate that's set out by the courts. I think, you know, in, the, in Site C and, some, and the case of LNG, our government has worked very, very hard to exceed that standard that's been set out there by the courts. Okay. Any comment, Roger? <laughs> no. Well, not any good ones anyway. So. Okay. So we can just leave it there for now. Yes, we can. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yes. And, of, and uh, yes. Oh, you're, you're looking like you want to play a piece of music. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. Let's do that. And then uh, do. We'll be. We'll be back. back. We'll have one more question. This is JMP News. CJMP News. Thank you. All right, Roger. Hold on. <laughs> let me let me play my question to Mr. Clark. Okay. All right. Well, you you okay. Okay. Hold on, and then we'll be back with a piece of music here. I'm wondering uh, when will you respond to the article in the New York Times that exposes your administration to any lack of conflict of interest oversight and your party's willingness to take advantage of BC's lax fundraising laws when other provinces recognize this conflict. Um, well, we have very strong conflict laws in the province. All of this has been. I think you know all of the complaints have been have gone to the conflict commissioner. He's a very independent a friend person. of yours, and no, and he's and he's um, you know he he's made these. Uh, he hasn't found any merit in any of it. But I would also say about fundraising, there are only two ways for political parties to get funding. One is privately, with the way it's been done in British Columbia for a long time, and is still done in almost all provinces in the country. The other is the way that the NDP are planning to do it, which is to take it out of tax dollars and have every taxpayer fund political parties whether or not they want to. And so I think there are problems with both systems, but I do think that forcing taxpayers to fund political parties that they may not even support is the worst of those two imperfect systems. I'm aware that Saskatchewan and BC are the only ones that accept um, political donations from big dollar amounts exceeding a certain amount. Well, all I mean, most, uh, almost all provinces, I think, uh, fundraise um, privately get their money from private sources and I you know the thing is is that uh, if there's a conflict in taking a small amount there's a conflict in taking a large amount I suppose potentially what the argument the NDP is making is that political parties none of them in Canada which should be taking money from private sources and you know I guess if you're prepared to accept that your tax dollars would be diverted from something like health care or education to go pay for political parties, um, you might support that. But I just don't agree with that. I think 
that tax dollars should go to public services, not political parties. And I think that people should be able to choose if they'd like to donate or not, not to be forced to by the law. Thank you very much. Okay. So you want to jump right off that, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of this was to actually uh, limit private contributions to, let's say, you know, $50 or $100 per individual. Uh, so not to having... Uh, large institutions whether it be uh, corporate or labor institutions pumping tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars into things mm -hmm. uh, the taxpayer issue on this is a bit of a red red herring well it, we it, pay for it anyway no matter what <laughs> um, if you want to know the article I was referring to it's um, called British Columbia the Wild West of Canadian political cash and it was uh, published in the New York Times January 13th um, and it says, I was referencing the, the commissioner, um, um, excuse me, his son is a deputy minister in Ms. Clark's cabinet. So, and there hasn't been a um, conflict of interest case in British Columbia for nine years, um, which is telling. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that. And now we have music, I think. Yes, we do actually this time. Okay. No, no screw ups this time. All right. Here we go. It's going. No, it's not. <laughs> there we go.
Listen to the sounds of Powell River on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell River's community radio. And, and you're tuned into CJMP News here on Friday, January the 27th. And um, let's see, I'll do a quick weather update here for you. It's currently 8 degrees 7 degrees at the airport with a mix of sun and cloud right now uh, 30% chance of showers tonight and it looks like it's going to be sort of pretty much the same for the next couple of nights and clearing up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and uh, later in the week possibly a chance of flurries again Oh my so. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not like we're in Saskatchewan or somewhere like that. I know. That's where my mind goes. <laughs> the, the late April snows that I grew up yeah. with. Um, so we're going to move on to the next segment, which is um, an interview with Phil Russell and John Louie. And this is something that Phil approached City Council Committee of the Whole with on Tuesday, January 17th. It's an idea. Um, he put together a delegation uh, to put forward the idea of a Spirit of Reconciliation project. Uh, this project is just beginning, and there were a few details put forward at Council, so I ex- asked him uh, to explain this a bit more. And here he is. Can you explain more about where this idea came from and what are we, ta- are we talking about here? Well, um the idea uh, came from a number of sources, actually. It's not one, just one source. Um, my Klaman traditional name is Quinanum. My given name is Phil Russell. Quinanum was given to me by John Louis' family, and it's the name I'm really honored to carry. And uh, I've been involved in the Klaaman community uh, for approximately 20 years in various things. The uh, stepson lives in Sydney, Australia, and uh, me and my wife were there in 1997 and met a fellow by the name of Laddie Timbery, an Australian uh, Aboriginal fellow who was uh, set up on the side of the road in La Perouse. And uh, I bought a didgeridoo from him. And he said, well, you know, my son teaches didgeridoo. You should uh, come and get a lesson. And I did. And it was, this was on a Sunday, and I came on the following Wednesday, sat with Laddie and his son Jeff, and um, sat with them for the afternoon, talked and talked and talked, talked mostly about colonialism, uh, because we we find some common ground there. I'm originally from West Belfast, Ireland, and uh, we've, we've much experience with uh, being colonized. We see the world from a different set of eyes than the colonizer, and um, so... When I finished the conversation with Jeff and Laddie that afternoon, as uh, I was about to get into my car in the parking lot, they asked if I would uh, represent them outside of Australia, which um, floored me, actually. And I thought, well, I'll I'll have to think about that because I had never experienced anything like that. And I came back to Canada thought about, I was trying to wrap my head around that request, How? what does this mean? And at the end of the day, I said yes, that I would represent them, simply because for many white men get asked by Aborigines to represent them. So it was a huge honor. So I organized a tour for Jeff Timbery to come to Canada and, and, and to First Nations communities. And so we came to Kla'aman in 
Jeff performed at the Blue Cat Mall on Marine Avenue with the Numcom dancers, and it was an awesome experience. So that was my very first uh, uh, um, interaction with Glam, and so I've been involved in many different ways ever since. Um, I have to uh, acknowledge uh, Eric Blaney for inviting me onto the tribal canoe journey in 19, uh, 2007, so 10 years ago. And since then, I've been on 10, uh, 10 tribal canoe journeys, uh, two local ones, and eight of the large canoe journeys, uh, which this year is going to be very close in Campbell River and Cape Mudge in August. Um, so that was when I when I went on the canoe journeys. I got to experience something that most non-indigenous people ever experience was to step into their world, step in, step into the language, the protocol, the teachings, and it was an amazing experience. It was one of the most powerful uh, things I've ever seen to change people's lives, indigenous and non-indigenous. And I knew there was a reason. Like I've been gifted with this knowledge and these invitations, and um, and I have to, you know, really hold my hands up to Gail and Darren Blaney and uh, Dorothy Louie. You know, they were the people that I met at the, uh, way back in 1997 with the Numcom dancers, and, and Eric was only a young boy then at that time. So when I find myself in 2007 traveling with the with the Canoe family, it was uh, it was a life changing experience. The thing is, is that in this country, what I see is the opportunity. There's, a, there's, I, I feel there's an opportunity amongst the people who want to, who want to change the dynamics of this country, in a significant way. And so, having traveled on the canoe journeys, I've seen the power of that journey to change people's lives in a very short period of time. And so. I talked with John, and I talked with Cindy. They're the frontline workers in Kalaman. Uh They're the tradition, part of the traditional wellness team, and they're good friends of mine. And so I take direction from them. I take their advice very seriously. And so I told them that this my my vision was to commission a canoe, a reconciliation canoe with all the work being done by the non-Indigenous community to engage the non-Indigenous community in an act of reconciliation, to gift this canoe as an act of reparation to Klahus Hamalko Klaaman with uh, the final use of that canoe to be in the hands of the Indigenous people as to where they want that canoe to be from that moment on. And so the intention was, was to engage the non-Indigenous community in a real way to be a part of this, not just come down to Wellington Beach or wherever the, wherever the canoe is being carved and hang out for a half an hour or a day and then leave. It's to participate, to fundraise, to, to interact with the, the, the Indigenous people, to learn from the Indigenous people, to, to hear their stories uh, in a real way. And so uh, this is new. So it's, it's, it's so new, there's no timeline. It's a little bit more information there. And um, Councillor Rob Southcott declared at the meeting that he is interested in representing uh, this project going forward uh, from a council perspective. Um, I also spoke with John Louie about what this project means. So reconciliation is getting you know, the rest of Canada to understand 
the impacts so that it doesn't happen again. Um, you know, I've gone on uh, <laughs> quite a few um, tribal journeys. I've learned the history of the canoe and what its purpose is for. In order to that canoe to go forward, everybody has to work together. All the people that are on the canoe, if only one side goes and paddles, the canoe is going to go in circle. If not everybody is paddling, the canoe is not going to move. So this canoe project is very symbolic. Yeah. Every person that's from the person that's steering the canoe, who they call, um, to the ones that are paddling, the ones that are leading, every person is just as important as the, the other person. It's no, you know, there's no boss or anything like that. In order for that canoe to get to its destination, you got to have the, everyone working together. In the canoe, um, in the teachings, um, the seats represent the values. The people will change, the ones that are holding the paddles. Yeah. Uh, but they have to have those values. So the seat of respect, honor, love, humility. What are the values? What are the values of our communities going forward? If those values aren't there, then it's hard for that canoe to go forward. So Phil's idea, because of his encounters, and um, I've had a lot of years with Phil, probably about 10 years, and he's talking about his challenges with from where he came from. He's same the very same same challenges. What happened there is happening here. A lot of other countries chose to go to war for losing their land, their rights, and stuff like that. Here we are, First Nations. We're still trying to work with the governments, with the organizations, through the treaty process. That's just another tool. Um, how do we work together? How do we move forward together? What are our values? You know, to me, um, Paul River, because of our history, are in a better place than a lot of other communities. We have a better relationship here with the community of Paul River. Um, and there's a thing that, um, I don't like the word hope, because hope is about reaching forward all the time, trying to reach. So I don't know what other word to use, but that's the only word I can think about. You know, you got to have that hope for a better future. Well, thank you very much, John. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this project? You no, know, I just thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of the words, and hopefully people will understand, you know, and make it easier for each of our nations or peoples. So when we move forward in the canoe, we're working together.
was uh, Stephen Stills sit yourself down and before that was uh, John Louis talking about the canoe reconciliation project which is a wonderful idea and I'm all for it hope it moves along yeah I, I think from now he's just looking for more um, uh, input and details like I, I know he's got a, a vision um, speaking to Phil about how yeah. he wants to do this yeah. um, but I think he's just right now looking for support that people will be willing to do this with him um, so, yeah, probably more info about that in the near future. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I was just looking through a couple of community announcements here. Um, oh, let's see. Well, this is mostly related to tomorrow. Uh, there's the Uptown Market at the CRC on Joyce Avenue tomorrow, 10 to 12. Um there's a Wheel of Fortune at the Sugar Vault at 7 to 10 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, there's live music at the Red Lion Pub uh, featuring Woodhead. Um, what? That's, at, that's what it says here, tomorrow? 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Yes, it does, yeah. Oh, I thought... Oh, okay, okay. There's another show coming up tomorrow. It's not at the Red Lion. It's somewhere okay. else. <laughs> okay. It's <at> soccer club. <laughs> and we're talking about Saturday. Yes, we are. Yes. Um, Friday night, uh, there's La La Land starts at the Patricia Theatre. And I think that's enough for the... uh, Yeah, well, I think uh, Rabbit Eye can fill us in a bit more about music and arts events. have his uh, local colour blitz, right? Colour blitz. (laughs) Coastal colour. Yeah, coastal colour blitz. (laughs) Coming to you Friday, January 27th. Yeah. Welcome back to Coast of Color. I'm Rabbit Eye for CJMP News. This is local arts news for this week and a little bit beyond the Friday, January 27th, 2017 edition. Tom White's night is this evening with some live performances at that Sugar Vault, Friday, January 27th, 8 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. Also, Friday, January 27th, Knucklehead Ski Movie Night at Max Cameron Theater at Brooks High School, Beer Hour, 6.30, Movie at 7.30 p.m. $15 tickets are available at Townside Brewing, Powell River Peak Offices, and at the door at the Max Cameron Theater. The film La La Land opens on Friday, January 27th, goes on until Sunday, February 5th, 7 p.m 
Jim Knightley at the Patricia Theatre. It's the Ordinary Odes Youth Poetry Contest launch. Deadline to enter is Friday, March 17th. Classrooms welcome to enter as well. Visit prpl.ca for contest details and prizes. There are two categories, age 8 to 10 and 11 to 13. Crossing Club has a jam every Friday night. You can play with a house band by yourself or with anyone you want every Friday night, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Crossing Community Club. There's also live music, Simple, number 2, featuring Woodhead, Sylph's Body Language, and Homebreaking on Saturday, January 28th from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. at the Red Lion Pub, 5987 Lund Street in Powell River. It's the second installment of Simple on Saturday, January 28th and 29th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's fiber and fabric from the ground up. Workshops hosted by Urban Homesteading School of Powell River. Tickets are available through the website fiddlersfarm.com. Check out the website uhspr.ca or fiddlersfarm.com. On Saturday, January 28th at 9 p.m. for $10, you can attend a live concert of Blue Moon Marquee at that Sugar Ball, number 105-4871 Joyce Avenue. It's a gypsy blues band originally from Alberta. Wild Rose Country, Cree MAT guitarist and vocalist A.W. Cardinal and multi-instrumentalist Jasmine Collette on vocals, bass, and drums will perform for you. Another live show on Saturday, January 28th, live Modern Terror, Little Farmer, Punk Jams, and Dropsticks at Villa Soccer Club at Timberlane Park. It's at 7.30 to 12 a.m. It's $10 at the door. Cash bar. All ages are welcome. There are live drawing sessions every Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Power River Academy of Music. It's $10. You can draw up in anytime you like. And if you'd like to be a model, they pay $40 for two hours. Call 604-483-8994 or email royart at telus.net. There's a weekly chorus Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. at James Hall at the Powell River Academy of Music. For information, Janice Gunn, 604-485-3825. There's live music at TC's Open Mic and Stage every Wednesday from 8 to 11 p.m. at Town Central Hotel. You can play with or without the house band. You jam, you get a free drink as well. There's an art opening and reception for the show Skylight, Monique Labouche. Opening reception is Thursday, February 2nd from 7 to 9 p.m. and it's free to attend. The work will be on display all February at VIU Powell River. The film screening Eating You Alive is on Thursday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. It's $10. This happens at Max Cameron Theatre at Brooks High School. There's a poetry workshop for youth 8 to 13 years old. It's called Ode Stravaganza Poetry Workshop Saturday, February 4th from 1.30 to 3 p.m. at the library and it is free to explore poetry tools that can make ordinary things seem extraordinary. Pre-registration is required at the library. On Saturday, February 4th, live at the Evergreen with Alfie Rosselli, comedy show comedians James Idol, Brandy Lee, and Alfie Rosselli, suitable for mature audiences only. Saturday, February 4th, doors open 7 p.m. Show starts at 8 p.m. $10 at the door at the Evergreen Theater. There's a workshop called So You Want to Publish a New Book, brought to you by the Power of Public Library. This happens on Saturday, February 4th at 2 p.m. at the Recreation Complex Elm Room. It is free. Join them to get tips on editing, publishing, and marketing ebooks. To register, email Mark and Merlino at prpl.ca or call 604-485-8664. There's a ukulele masterclass with Anila Kagamo on Saturday, February 4th. Beginners is 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. It's $25. Intermediate, 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Also $25. This happens at the new stage at Rocket Music. For information, call Julie, 604-414-5076. The film Patriot's Day opens on Monday, February 6th. It goes on until Thursday, February 9th, 7 p.m. nightly at the Patricia Theatre. There's a call for artists for Ecouture fashion show and events. The deadline for your application is Wednesday, March 15th. There's a $25 application fee, which also goes towards your Malaspina Art Society membership. More information at artpalriver.com. The event itself will be happening on April 22nd. You have a reading by Wayne Lutz, brought to you by the Powell River Public Library on Saturday, February 11th at 2 p.m. This happens at Trinity Hall, 6932 Crofton Street. Daniel Cho and Academy Chamber Choir perform on Tuesday, February 14th, 7.30 p.m. at the Powell River Academy of Music. Tickets are $20. Students 18 and under can attend for free with a student ticket voucher. Phone 604-485-9633 for more information or you can visit powellriveracademy.org for details and online tickets. The Powell River Film Festival opens on Wednesday, February 15th, goes on until Sunday, February 19th at the Patricia Theatre. Find out more. PR Film Festival.ca. There's a Learn Sketching Techniques with Visual Artist and Instructor Rick Sapella, brought to you by the Powell River Public Library. This happens on Thursday, February 
February 16th, 7 p.m. It is free. It happens at Trinity Hall, 6932 Crofton Street. Register and Merlino at prpl.ca or call 604-485-8664. especially interesting for those who are into landscape drawings. Expose Yourself is an erotically themed multidisciplinary art exhibition. It happens March 17th to 19th. The website is eyexhibition.com. This is going to happen in Townsite. If you'd like to help out at the CJMP table at this event, just email events at cjmp.ca and say, I want to help. That is it for this week's Coastal Color. I'm Rabbit Eye for CJMP. Back to the show. Thanks for that lovely music, Rabbit Eye. And the Arts Events Roundup, like you do every week. Yep. Um, just a few more announcements before we um, play another song and then let uh, the next DJ come in. Um, this is CJMP 90.1 FM, Paul River Community Radio, and we are volunteer-operated, and we are broadcasting from the Paul River area, traditional home of the Amun Nation. You can submit community announcements at cjmp.ca slash submit. Many of our programs are podcasted for any time download, and you can go to cjmp.ca slash podcast, including this show. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Lots of podcasts. Including Roger's show. Including my show. (laughs) Roger has a show on Sundays, if you don't know. Nine. 10 to 12. What were you going to say? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, we're always looking for uh, more community support, more volunteers, and more money to keep the station running. Uh, this is a definitely a local venture um, that's uh, grown a lot in the last six years or so. Yes, it has, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's still growing. Um, we're moving well ahead on our project to move the uh, transmitter up on the tower, too. So that may actually be happening this year this year yes yeah. and thank you to everyone who um who gave money for that campaign because yeah. it really did help us uh make a case to um other people to kind of push us over the edge to get us toward our goal so um you'll see uh, results coming back from that money pretty soon hopefully mm. all right so one more song to end the show and hand it over here we go tom waits <laughs> What we're talking about is late night and early morning low clouds With a chance of fall Chance of showers into the afternoon With a variable high cloudiness and gusty winds Gusty winds at times around that corner of sunset and Alvarado Yeah, I know, things are tough all over when the thunderstorms start increasing over the southeast and south central portions of my apartment, I get upset. And a line of thunderstorms was developing in the early morning hours ahead of a slow moving cold front. Cold blood. With, with tornado watches issued shortly before noon Sunday for the areas including the western region of my mental health. And the northern portion of my ability to deal rationally with my disconcerted, precarious emotional situation. It's cold out there. Colder than a ticket taker's smile at the Ivar Theater on Saturday night. <laughs> Flash flood watches cover the southern portion of my disposition. Yeah. There was no severe weather well into the afternoon except for kind of a lone gust wind in the bedroom.
pressure zone Covering the eastern portion of a small suburban community With a 103.4 millibar high pressure zone And a weak pressure ridge extending from my eyes down to my cheeks Since you left me, baby Vice grips on my mental health. Well, the extended outlook for an indefinite period of time. Do you come back to me, baby? Is it high tonight, low tomorrow, and precipitation is expected. That was uh, Emotional Weather Report from Tom Waits and this was CJMP News on CJMP 90.1 FM. And thank you very much for listening in and we'll be back next week at the same time, 12 noon on Fridays. And uh, rebroadcast on Saturday. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks everyone. Stay tuned for the Friday Live lineup.